Welcome to TRO Signal, a Trav Market Media podcast from Travel Research Online. I'm Linda Phillippe from McMinnville, Oregon, and we're speaking today with Nolan Burris in Vancouver, beautiful British Columbia. Our topic today is social media, the pleasures and pitfalls, and the way it's revolutionized our lives and our businesses. So stay tuned. Over to you, Richard. Greetings, everyone. This is Richard Earls speaking to you from a road trip. And I'm currently in Savannah, Georgia. I'm so excited we're going to be speaking today with my good buddy, Nolan Burris. Now, I have to give you a little bit of a backstory in that I first met Nolan when he, Mike Marchev, Stuart Cohen, and Scott Keff all ventured to Tallahassee, Florida, which is my home, in I think what was 2010. And together, we recorded a series of instructional videos for travel professionals. It was really an excellent project. And as I recall, my topic was marketing. Marchev spoke on customer service. Stuart talked about groups. And Scott Keff chose sales as his topic. Now, Nolan's specialty at the time, and he was something of a pioneer, was the very new topic of social media. And I dare say there was no more authoritative voice in the travel industry on the use of social media as a marketing vehicle for travel professionals than Nolan Burris. I still remember he compared social media to a Tupperware party. A Tupperware party? To a Tupperware party. And it was actually a brilliant analogy that we all learned a great deal from. And not long after that, I took up on social media and it has become a major part of my business structure. But Nolan, a couple of weeks ago, I saw a post of yours on social media that I can't say it really surprised me, but it did in the sense that it was unexpected. And you essentially signed off from social media. I did entirely. You shocked me in a folks. big way. <laughs> well, I must say it wasn't an easy decision. I still have that message in front of me if you'd like me to share what I said. I would very much like for you to read it. All right. And I this is what I posted on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest. And a couple of others that some people never even heard about because, hey, I was a geek, so I had to try all of them, right? <laughs> but yeah, this is what I posted, and it has now been just a little over two weeks ago. I said to all my friends and associates, I will be deleting all my content from Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and LinkedIn today. While social media can bring people together and allow us to stay connected, it has also caused great harm. It is an inevitable side effect of the free business model. As users, we are not customers. We are the product bought and sold. What we see is not within our control or the advertisers, but is decided by computer algorithms designed to keep us engaged. The result has divided us more than ever, causing hatred, mistrust, and even death. 
the suicide rate among young people has doubled since social media took hold. The rate of young women practicing self-harm has exploded. It's time to return to real human connections. You can still find and connect with me in the ways that always matter the most. Finally, I'm sure this post will generate some comments and in staying true to my commitment, please forgive me for not responding. It is an act of love, not defiance. And Richard, I have to say that after I posted that, I, I, it was hard for me to follow through with my commitment about not responding, but that post lit up like a Christmas tree because I have, sorry, I gotta get my tenses right here. I had thousands and thousands and thousands of followers. But in the time since that, since I actually posted that and I pulled the plug, took a while to delete all the content. They don't make that easy, by the way. <laughs> but think about it. I had thousands and thousands of followers, but not just in Facebook, but Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. It's been two and a half weeks now. And in that time, even though I said, you can find me, I'm easy to find. I have received zero phone calls about it. I got two text messages and three emails, one of which was from you. And so what it kind of confirmed to me is this idea of what is a quote friend has become an illusion. And it, it really helped solidify that I did make the right choice. And I'm sure that that will probably lead to a <laughs> A lot of additional questions, but I thought that might just set the stage a little bit and help the listeners kind of understand what this whole conversation is about today. You know, it it, it was remarkable, Nolan, because had, and I mean this quite sincerely, had it been anyone else to make that statement, taking it into consideration, but it wouldn't have affected me the way that it did with your resignation from social media, not only because I know it was a big part of your business life, but also because you had been something of a leader in the travel industry in the appropriate use of social media. Mm -hmm. I'm gathering that you think we have somehow drifted from the original intent of social media as a positive force in our businesses and in our personal lives. Can, can you talk a little bit about your, you, you, your letter addresses your reasons for leaving, but can you talk about the emotional motivation? What, what was it that, that made you decide that was a must do? Yeah, I, I had been noodling on it for quite a while before I finally pulled the plug. And in that, uh, in that process, I really did have to weigh things a lot. I had, like I said, thousands and thousands of followers. Uh, my book never would have been successful if it hadn't been for social media. I don't think my speaking career would have taken off if it hadn't been for, for social media. So there was a lot at stake. But in other words, it's not a decision I took lightly. I had to think about a lot of things and what I would be giving up. But ultimately, and I'll fill in some blanks on what I mean by this, but ultimately it came down to the social media had evolved outside of my own personal integrity zone. The price was too high. Uh, the consequences were too high. I could no longer look at how it benefited me personally 
because it was destroying other people's lives significantly. And I could no longer ignore that. I can't ignore that. And to fill in just one of the blanks, and um, please feel free to, to question me more on this or dig a little deeper, but what I finally realized, it wasn't about what I posted or what you post. I was only posting good stuff. I never posted political things. I never posted anything about religion. I never posted anything other than helpful material for travel professionals and motivational stuff for, for the average person out there. That's, that's what I'm all about. I resisted getting pulled into any of that. That's not the problem. The problem is that even my, my posts that were motivational designed to help people lead, lead a better life and to be more successful with business were getting hijacked. Your posts are getting hijacked. Everyone's posts are getting hijacked. And they're being used for one singular reason, to feed the addiction, to get people to stare at that screen for as long as possible. And the, the algorithms and the computer systems that do all of that are, not, are there to keep the eyeballs glued as long as possible with whatever content will make that happen in order to sell an impression, an ad impression. They don't care if you buy anything. They don't even care if you, if you click on it. That's not the point. It's whatever it takes to get your eyeballs glued to the screen. Sometimes it was me, but it, didn't all, it wouldn't always end up being me. I might've been the uh, entry point but then another thing flashes by in, a, um, in your newsfeed, which by the way, that newsfeed is not random and it's certainly not chronological and it's certainly not just choosing your best friends. It gets better and better and better and better and better at only showing you the things that you react to. And if that happens to be violence and hatred and division and death, or any other horrible thing, right now it's mostly politics and COVID, then that's what your newsfeed will become eventually completely dominated by. And again, I might be in there too because you liked me, but I'm just fueling the machine that delivers all the hatred and division, all for the purposes of knowing that if they keep your eyeballs glued long enough, you'll see that ad for the skinny jeans. I can't live with that anymore. I have a question for you. So, uh, you know, I can. I was going to ask you about whether or not this was how it was affecting you personally, or if it was the larger issue. It sounds like you were concerned about the whole larger implication. But how how long did it take you when you mm. first started thinking about it? How long did it take you to say, you know what, I'm done? Yeah, that's a good question. And <laughs> I realize that my tone here is getting very dark and down, uh, but. But believe it or not, I do see some light at the end of the tunnel, and I'll, I'll come back to that. But if you don't mind, if I backtrack just a bit, there is a sure. personal aspect to it okay. um, that was a very significant part of my ultimate decision. When I, when I read to you my, my post saying that I was getting out of social media, one of the things I mentioned was the uh, doubling of the rate of suicide among teens right. since uh, social media hit the scene. And, and let me be very clear. I'm not just talking about Facebook. They're just the most visible. They all use the same model. They all use the same approach. So mm -hmm. I can't just target them. But in any case, uh, a 14-year-old girl in my family, I, I will leave her nameless and protect her privacy, but a 14-year-old girl in my family, something started happening. She started getting frighteningly skinny, losing her hair, 
losing the breasts that she had started to develop as a, oh as a prepubescent teen. We knew something was wrong. Something was wrong. She had thousands and thousands of, quote, friends on social media. And here's what happened. She had posted a picture and someone said, well, you're looking fat these days. So what did that cause her to do? Start clicking on every post she could find about how to not be fat. And what did that do? Start triggering ad after ad after ad after ad for liposuction, skinny jeans, uh, cosmetic surgery, and anorexia. And she ended up in the hospital for almost two years and nearly died. Oh my goodness sakes. Right. And all of that was, social media is full of wonderful things. I tried to do my best to be part of populating it with wonderful things, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't matter. It's not about that. The, the algorithms don't care whether your post is about wonderful things or things that will cause a teen to kill themselves because they think they're fat. All it cares about is what did that teen click on? What does that person click on? And that's where the hatred and the division come in is if you get an, an idea in your head, something catches your eye, you click it you'll get more of it. And the more you get of it, the more you will click. And it's not about that stuff. Again, the algorithm makes no judgment on politics or religion or body image or suicide or life. That's not part of the algorithm. The algorithm is singular. Get your eyeballs glued so we can sell an ad impression. You know, it's true. And when you were speaking about that, what flashed into my mind was that old thing about, you know, what you feed grows, you know? And so if you're feeding the light, the light grows. If you're feeding the darkness, the darkness grows. And I think that's especially true for, I mean, it's true for all of us, obviously, but I mean, speaking just for myself, what I tend to get a lot of on Facebook are those ads for, um, you know, like Spanx, so how to put, you know, five pounds of whatever in a three pound sack, that old thing where you're, the woman's like trying to pull this as tight spanksy thing up over her jelly belly. And I get that a lot and I just kind of laugh and move on. But I mean, I'm sure that, you know, because I'm not skinny, so I don't get anorexia ads, but it, it is true. And the younger you are, or maybe the more insecure, not to say insecure, that's not a, that's not a good word. Uh, self-conscious, the more that these things are going to really get to you and bother you. And I also noticed that anytime that um, any elected representative puts up a post, for example, you know, okay, where we just passed something to, you know, give money to victims of forest fires. Well, what were you doing 20 years ago when you should have been, you know, forest management practices and all this kind of stuff. And you're like the haters. I mean, it, it, it's that anonymous here's thing, hatred. Here's, here's the thing, Linda. If you respond to a hater in any way, click like, make a comment, say I disagree, you just, you just fed the algorithm and you'll, right. get, more, you'll get more of it. And the, right. the, the division grows right. and the, hate, the hatred grows. I think and it's I, funny because anybody who knows me, I know Richard already knows this, but uh, you know, I got a shaved head and I'm covered in tattoos. And so, oh oh yeah, totally covered here. I know other people can't see it, but I've got them head to toe. So the ads that pop up for me, (laughs) tattoo removal, laser tattoo removal, a lot of that, how to grow your hair back. Um, (laughs) But again, it's because somewhere along the line, I've used some keywords, tattoos, Mm -hmm. shaved head. Uh, People have commented on that because it's not just about what I 
post. It's about the people who follow me or I follow them and things that they contribute all becomes part of the targeting. And I want to be clear because uh, Richard, I know we're getting into some sensitive territory because uh, you have publications that rely on advertising. And I would never say that advertising is wrong ever. Even targeted advertising is not wrong. That's what I talked about during that session that we did uh, in Tallahassee all those years ago is, uh, you know, to you, that's one of the brilliant things about social media is targeted advertising. But here's the thing, what it has evolved into today is that you're not in charge of that anymore, Richard. Like in the old days before social media existed, you could say, I'm going to put this ad in, I don't know, let's say food and wine magazine. Why? Because people who love food and wine read that magazine. And those are the only people that'll see it. They tend to be richer. They tend to, you know, spend more discretionary income. You were able to make that decision. Or I'm going to advertise my TV show uh, uh, during this other TV show because we're similar. The advertiser was making those choices. You were involved in that decision. You're not anymore. The algorithm is deciding where it goes. And it's deciding where it goes, once again, based on, the cacophony of things on what did you like? What did you not like? Who do you follow? What do they like? What do they click on? What do they post? What other websites did they visit? Because to be very clear, it is not contained within the walls of Facebook or Twitter. I'm sure you've probably seen this. So you're, I don't know, you pop into Google and you look for a garden hose, right? 13 seconds later, your Facebook feed is full of garden hoses. Exactly. And then you get an email from Amazon, got garden hoses on sale. And then everywhere you go, you're seeing garden hoses. That's because it is no longer contained within just what we do within social media. It has reached into everything. Well, it may go, it may go well beyond that. Uh, there, there are at least apocryphal stories, and it's happened to me. Uh, and I, I've never seen a confirmation of this. But I've been having conversations in my house about mm -hmm. one thing or another uh, that I've not searched online for, that maybe I intend to search online for after the conversation. And all of a sudden, those items begin to appear in my feed. Yeah. Now, the, you know, the, the really sort of frightening aspect of that is, am I being listened to through my phone, through my, uh, you know, through my Alexa? Is that somehow migrating its way over into Facebook from that? And, you know, I hate to be a, any type of conspiracy theorist, but it's happened often enough, and I've heard it. other people indicate that it's happened to them, that it does make me wonder. Um, in fact, I did an experiment with a group of friends because we were all, a lot of us, are, I'm a geek and I have a lot of geek friends. And so we were wondering, we had started reading that and, experienced ourselves a couple of times. So we decided to put it to the test. And there is some reality to it. There's also some hype. Um, what we discovered is it's not so much that uh, we only see things from our own perspective. And if you're thinking, well, I just talked about it, but I didn't go search for it or anything. But if 10 seconds later, one of the friends in your circle who was part of that conversation looked it up online, they're part of your circle. And no matter where they looked, it knows you're part of their circle. 
Doesn't mean they looked it up in Facebook. They may have looked it up in another browser on another website. They may have clicked on an ad. Oh yeah, Richard was talking about that. Look at that. And now you're getting it. That's part of it. However, read your terms of uh, the terms and conditions for that Alexa. And right. So Apple keeps, you know, saying that they are the privacy company and that they don't do any of that sort of thing because you buy their stuff. Um, we don't think about the Google stuff as being free, but it is. I mean, the Android is free on your phone. You didn't pay for Android. You only paid for the hardware. If it's free, you are the product. You are being bought and sold. Ditto with Alexa. You're paying for the, the box, but you're not paying for anything else. And so Alexa's job, its purpose, the only reason it exists is not to play music for you, Richard, but to profile you. Now, is it sharing your personal name, address, phone number, email address? I don't think so. People can get in a lot of trouble for that. But, but it does contribute to the algorithm, no doubt. Absolutely. Well, I'm, so at, I, I'm actually, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist either. But okay. I am very hesitant to, to download any app that I did not pay for. Every, bus, every business has to make money. And if I didn't give you $1.99 for that app, how are you making money? There is only one way. <laughs> the, the movie Social Dilemma. Hmm has received a lot of attention lately. And I, I'm just curious, was it any part of your decision-making process? Yeah, I've been asked that a few times. A great movie, by the way, and not quite as dark as, as it sounds, although it will scare you to death. But to be honest, I had heard about the movie, but I hadn't seen it until after I pulled the plug. Um, and I didn't want my decision to be influenced by it because it's like anything else. You can get caught up in the Hollywood, you know, frou-frou and, and I didn't want it to be part of the decision. I knew what it was about, but I hadn't seen it until after. I will say that it helped confirm my decision. Reinforced. It sure did. <laughs> so if we could switch gears a little bit, um, how have you seen social media affect the travel industry and have any of the problems that you've sort of identified been exacerbated by COVID-19 and its impact on travel? Yeah, big subject. Um, social media has been one of the best things that ever happened to the travel industry, honestly. Uh, it's, it's been amazing. Um, the flip side of the coin is anything amazing has been hijacked for other purposes. And so, uh, again, it's not about what we post. The more popular the thing is, the more likely it is to be hijacked for other purposes. That's the that's the horrible side of it. That didn't exist when social media was first was new on the scene. This is a in internet terms, which of course moves very very fast, but it's a relatively new phenomenon. This completely interconnected, interwoven algorithm that takes place. So. To get to answer your question, though, has it been exacerbated? Is it better? Is it worse since COVID? I would say no better, no worse. It's just different stuff. Mm -hmm. um, for example, travel is all about COVID right now, uh, like it or not, because until people can go somewhere, what do we have to talk about? When we For the first couple of months, it was all about let's inspire, let's have great memories. We saw these beautiful images everyone was posting of the Eiffel Tower 
and it'll be wonderful when we can go back and here's the Great Wall of China and here's, uh, here's the Roman Colosseum. Like it was all those memories kind of thing. Right. That only lasted for a while. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was, yeah, well, when can I go? Right. And so once again, it's not about what you post. The algorithm does not care mm -hmm. if it's about COVID-19 or the world's best peanut butter cookie recipe. It's being used for other purposes. You know, but I wanted to ask you a question or, or, sure. or make this point with you. And when we're going back to how it's affected businesses in general, what I think about is how the social media thing, like, you know, we'll just say TripAdvisor or on everybody's business page, social media page, the review section. Mm -hmm. And one disgruntled person who didn't get exactly what they wanted from room service or whatever it was going to be. And just writes this scathing, tearing review that immediately goes to the top of the review chart and stays there forever. And anybody who ever goes, I mean, it could be three years ago and they're like, Oh my God, you know, I, I, they put American cheese and not swish on my sandwich. And, you know, I mean, and I know that restaurants in a lot of different places, hotels, especially during COVID as they're trying to reopen are saying, Oh my God, this is killing us. You know? Yeah. And it's interesting because, uh, you know, I talk, I keep throwing that term algorithm around, but it, mm -hmm. it's, it's just the, the software looking for what's going to get people's attention, whatever they're clicking on the most. And so the, I don't know if I had a business today and people were posting negative reviews, you know what I would do? Ignore it. Because the more you put the, the, the spotlight on it, the focus on it, the bigger it's going to get. Why? Because more people are clicking it and more people click it and more people click it and more people see it. So more people click it. So more people see it. So more people click it. Right. And once again, for one singular purpose, to sell the ad that's right below it. Exactly. Has no nothing one to do with the cheese on the sandwich anymore. <laughs> right. Let's turn just for a second to another issue. Sure. And you know, I think I think the algorithm and the the mechanism that you described is entirely accurate, and and I get that. I think the thing about social media that most often bothers me, though, is the way that it's become uh, a vehicle to let your shadow take a drive. <laughs> yeah, you know, people let their let their most negative aspects free reign. And, and I even see it among our colleagues in the travel industry, often with politics, but many times on other topics, where even with the absence of anonymity, because we all know each other and, and it's not anonymous anymore, the way that reviews in the Washington Post might be, people express themselves in a manner that to me, frankly, is shocking. Yes. And the anger that you see exhibited, the sort of rude behavior, seems to be everything my parents told me I shouldn't do. That and is we, exactly what I was thinking, Richard. I would have been smacked if I had been so rude in, in, in person. You know, we, being polite still matters. Courtesy still matters. But you're right. Something has happened where uh, if, if it's on a screen and I'm typing it, uh, it, it's as if all those lessons our mothers and grandmothers drilled into us have suddenly gone out the window. My grandma, you know, I, I live in Canada, but I grew up in Oklahoma. My granny used to say to me, honey, you ain't got something good to say. Just keep your mouth shut. And then the flip side should say there is always a nice way to say it. Mm -hmm, if you can't mm -hmm. think of it, then don't say it. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, but you know, Richard, again, I, I hate to just keep coming back to the algorithm and I don't, I don't want to make this all about that, but what happens is let's say that I broke out of my norm. Maybe I'm normally a really nice guy or a nice woman and I would never say mean things, but we've all lost our cool once in a while, right? Happens. Of course it does. Well, maybe it's the day I lose my cool and I say something not so nice on social media because I disagreed with someone or something, or I thought they were poking fun of me. So I say something mean back the moment they respond, the algorithm just noticed. And the moment someone comes to my defense, the algorithm just noticed. And so what happens is that vitriol that I accidentally, and maybe I even wish I could have taken it back, has already taken hold and it becomes a snowball and more and more people see it. And the more that other people see it, the more other people see it. And the more that they see it, the more that see it. And so what then happens is, in a sense, this is my own, I'm no scientist, but my own guess is when you see 9,000 people doing it, you think, well, I guess it's okay for me to be a jerk too. And I think that that's a lot of it, that we think this is the forum where it's okay to, to do that because we see it everywhere. Why? Because we clicked on it and so did other people. And so that's that becomes what we see over and over and over and over again. It becomes the top of the heap. Tell me, is there anything out of social media that you're going to miss? Oh, is there yeah. anything in it that that you found worthwhile and satisfying and that you're going to regret leaving behind? Oh, heck yes. Lots of stuff. Um, I miss seeing what friends who live in other countries are up to. That was how we connected. Uh, having been in the travel business for 40 years, I have very dear friends in many different countries. And that became the place that we could stay in touch. I let them all know they all have my email address. They all have my phone number. They all have my text message. And remember what I said earlier about how many of those I've received since this happened. Yeah. So, but I still, I miss seeing that. Um, I had some groups that I followed uh, for my own personal inspiration and motivation. I miss that. I have, I have lots of uh, brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews all over the place. And, you know, before I was able to keep up with them, now I can't unless I pick up the phone and call. But Richard, what's wrong with that? If I pick up the phone and call, that used to be good. That really showed you cared. You know, if we go back 15 years ago, especially before the days of unlimited long distance, if you picked up the phone and called someone, you were expressing love because you paid for the privilege of doing it just just to check in with them. Mm -hmm. And now we're lazy. Now we're lazy. I just take a look and see what you're up to. And that made me feel connected. You're not, we're not connected. Now, by the way, I didn't get to this place right away. (laughs) This took a lot of me chewing on this for months to be able to make that decision. Um, And it wasn't an easy one. I miss a lot. I miss getting the updates on what's going on in the travel industry. I have to dig a little harder to get them. Mm-hmm. Um, I miss what's going on with the suppliers and uh, the latest on COVID. I got to go find it other ways. So yeah, 
there's a lot I miss for sure. So what's taking the place now of the however long you spent on social media each day? I, I know you said that you're doing daily Zooms and things like that, but is that is is that taking the place of what social media used to be for you? Yeah, it's a good question. And I'm going to spin it around just a little bit to be All dramatic. Right. Richard knows sure. I, like to, I like to be dramatic now and then. Good. So um, my mom smoked cigarettes for, gosh, I don't know, 70 of her 90 years and no big surprise, ended up with emphysema. And when she quit cigarettes, finally, in her 70s, uh, the big question is, what are you going to do to replace it? And she did. She replaced it with a lot of candy and cookies and pie. Ooh, ooh. In other words, where I'm going with that is if, if all we do is trade one addiction for another, we haven't gotten right. anywhere. Right. We have not achieved anything. And so this, this was part of my thought process, Linda, to tell you the truth. And I was considering all of it. My first thought was, I'm so used to it. I fire up the iPad in the morning. I'm having breakfast. I'm flipping through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, like, like that's part of my day. I, I do it at lunch. I do it again at dinner. And I do it right again before I go to bed. And sometimes if I got some other time in there, look at the, if you're ever on public transportation, the bus, the subway, an airplane, nobody's talking to anybody. Faces down. Go to a coffee shop. Nobody's talking to each other. Sure. Faces down. Dinner happens in my own family, faces down. And we used to say it was just the young people doing it. Oh, good Lord, no. My mom, you couldn't pry her iPad out of her hands. Like, <laughs> that. She, she's, she's, I get it. I do get it. So in my thinking, it's not just about replacing it with something else. What I did do is I took some time to think about how did I spend my evenings before this even existed? What did I do that gave me joy? What did I do that I felt contributed to the world, to my family, to, to me personally? And I'm kind of surprised at how much I had neglected. Richard knows I play the harp as part of my therapy. Oh, okay. I hadn't touched it in two years. Big, big harp? I do. Yeah. Big. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I hadn't touched it in two years time. I shouldn't say I hadn't touched it, but you know, like a little pluck here and there. I used to you do patted it at it. Right. <laughs> that used to be something I did almost an hour a night. Oh wow! Just, just for relaxation, you know. Um, I've gotten into bike riding. I'm riding thirty to forty kilometers a day now, just just wow. to relax. Um, taking three different language classes. I can actually Good for have, you. have a conversation in Mandarin Chinese now. Wow! So. I'm not saying any of that to boast. What I'm saying is I didn't have time for any of that before because this took all that time. Right. I'm making myself call at least one friend a night who I haven't talked to in ages. I may have texted with them a dozen or messaged with them on Facebook or clicked like on them 25 times. Yeah, that's not a relationship. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting back to relationships, real ones. Nolan, oh, you, you indicated that your mother mm. asked you if she should give up Facebook after you made your decision. What did you tell her? Yeah. <laughs> well, my mom, my mom, you know, I think my mom is my superhero. I think she's the most amazing human I've ever known in my life. She's an incredible woman. Single mom, raised three kids on her own. Like, she's oh. just unbelievable. But in any case, I got her an iPad for her 80th 
third birthday. She'd never touched a computer in her life. She was instantly, she took to it. She under, She got it, she figured it out. And Facebook was the thing that, that initially got her because when she discovered, she has, she has great, great, great grandchildren. And when she discovered that she could keep up with what her grandkids and her great grandkids and her great, great grandkids were up to, that was all she needed. Like she was happy. And so when she asked me, she saw my post and, and she, she immediately hit FaceTime because <laughs> it's funny. My mom has not made a phone call since I got her the iPad. If there's no video attached, she thinks something's wrong. <laughs> You're hiding something from me. Right. Is, your, is your phone not working? Well, phone's fine, mom. <laughs> I love anyway, it. So she FaceTimed me and she said, so I read your post. Are you serious? How am I going to know what you're up to? How am I going to know where you are? And so we had to have that conversation. And I explained it to her. And she said she understood and she supported me. And her next question was, should I delete it too? And I told her, I told her no. No. I told her no, I don't think so. But we we had to really chat about that. For her, mm-hmm. it's a it's a lifeline. She she's mm-hmm. she can't leave the house basically. She's not bedridden, but almost. So I told her, no, I don't. But here she was very worried. She said, but she, she didn't want to contribute to this machine. She didn't want to feed the algorithms. And she didn't even know what algorithm meant. But she said, I don't want to be a, a part of that. But what I told her, and I really, really believe this, my mom's got 50 or 60 friends in her network. And every one of them is a family member her influence is minuscule. Exactly. Eating the machine. Mine, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to say I was in, I'm, I'm a nobody. How can I know I'm a nobody. And I had over 10,000 people following me. I fed the machine. She did right. not. I'm going to sound like I'm contradicting myself here, but just keep in mind, it's not, it's more complicated than just how many people follow you and how many do you follow it's the likes it's the posts it's the the comments all that stuff feeds into it mm-hmm. but hey mom's just looking at pictures of the kids right exactly yeah, so i told her that her her impact is minimal at best yeah so you had mentioned that the your statement was that leaving was an act of love and not defiance. Could you, yeah. could you elaborate on that a bit? Yeah. Um, I know it can be very fashionable to, uh, to protest whatever the cause of the moment is. Mm-hmm. And I knew that some people might interpret my, my action as that, as me being the latest flavor of uh, social upheaval or rise up against the establishment. <laughs> A man against the machine or whatever, rage against the machine. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm a baby boomer and there's a little bit of hippie still in me, you know, but that's not why I did it. I'm not doing it because I think Mark Zuckerberg is an evil guy. I don't. And and I don't think that. I don't think he's in control anymore. He has to answer to shareholders like every other CEO. What do the shareholders want? Profit. Where does their profit come from? Exactly what we've been talking about for the last 45 minutes. He's not in charge of it anymore. The worst thing he could do would be to try to fix it. I don't think he can, by the way. (laughs) So when I say it was an act of love, not defiance, 
It's because I people I love have been horrifically impacted by this thing. People I don't know have died because of this thing. Thousands and thousands of people in Myanmar were slaughtered because of this thing. You know, what happened was the, uh, um, the Myanmar government rising up or trying to deal with what they perceived as a problem with the Rohingya. What they decided to do is they didn't, they didn't control it. They simply leveraged it. That whole idea is if you post something graphic, violent, hateful enough, people will comment, even if it's to say that I don't agree, didn't matter. So what they were doing is posting completely fictitious images of the Rohingya supposedly committing crimes, doing bad things. And they did it enough that people started clicking. With, again, didn't matter if they liked it, hated it, disagreed, said it was trash, didn't matter. It started the cycle. And thousands and thousands and thousands of Rohingya were slaughtered as a direct result of those posts in Facebook that were put there by the Myanmar army. And so when I say it was an act of love, I don't just, just, I don't just include my own family. It's an act of compassion. It's part of my own personal spiritual path that I could not in good conscience anymore feed the system that was making things like that happen. The um, people I know, you know I, I will not get into politics here. I will, however, say I have friends of every political persuasion and it troubles me that they now hate each other because of how someone votes. That disturbs me. And people saying horrible things about someone who has a different, who votes for a different corrupt politician than your corrupt politician. That's horrific. And so I can't be, I can't contribute to that. Doesn't matter. Again, I keep saying, I know people have said to me, then why don't you just be the solution and post good things? And that's what I did. But my good things were being used for other purposes my good posts about living a better life and being uh, having a life of integrity were leveraged in the same way that all those posts that got all the uh, Rohingya slaughtered because the algorithm doesn't care what it's about. It only cares that it gets clicks, likes, and looks. That's all it cares about. I was going to ask you if you think that um, reform is possible at all. No. You think that I think or it's, it's too far bad. gone? It's it, the only the only way we can reform it is to is to cut off its food supply, mm -hmm. because again the entire system depends on this mechanism. It can't survive anymore if it if this doesn't happen. Uh, it doesn't matter what I post; it will be leveraged for other purposes. And so the only way to fix it is to starve it. It didn't. It started out as a beautiful thing. Um, when I did eventually watch the social dilemma, um, there were things I learned in that. I'm not going to say that everything they said was true. Maybe, maybe not. But the people who were speaking in it were not nobodies. It's the guy who created the financial model for Facebook. <laughs> He's not a nobody. No. It's the guy who invented the like button. Not a nobody. And what he said is when they created the like button, they really did do it to give people a little perk up, a little uh, brighten your day. That's where it came from. 
Yeah, then it got hijacked to be used as part of the algorithm for putting ads in front of people and it became something completely different. So social media started as a beautiful, wonderful thing. I'm a huge proponent of free speech. I support people expressing whatever opinion they have, even if I completely disagree with it. What I have a problem with is those opinions being leveraged for something very dark. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening. Mm -hmm. No, and I, I originally wrote you because you succeeded in doing what you always succeed in doing. And that is making <laughs> us think. Oh, well, that's good. I hope I didn't get you too down and depressed. No, 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 no. There's plenty of uh, opportunity for that outside of thoughtfulness. <laughs> and you have, uh, <laughs> you've made me think. And I, I appreciate that. Well, I would like to kind of, um, I, I know we're running out of time here, but I would like to uh, uh, maybe talk about the bright side of things because I have been asked a few times. So what would you recommend to a business, especially a travel, travel company? Uh, I've had a lot of them say, well, what do I do? I mean, this is how I promote myself. How do I get my, my word out there? What do I, what do I, I don't even know where to turn now. <laughs> Partially because I'm one of the people who told them for years and years and years, get a Facebook page, get on Instagram. You bet. Right. So what I'm going to tell them is actually very, very simple. Pick up the phone. Call your clients. How are you doing in the middle of all this COVID stuff? Skip the, the, the impersonal, uh, you know, it, mass blast. Call people. Send them an email. Anything that is human to human. That's what you do because nothing stands out more right now than a, a human actually talking to you and saying that they care. Uh, a smiley face, a heart, a thumbs up. Yeah, we're, we're numb to that now. But if you really want to succeed, talk to people. Let them know you care. Ask them how they're doing. That's what I recommend. That's perfect. I love Nolan, it. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Richard. My pleasure. This was fun. And thank you, Linda. Thank you so much. It's great to finally, you know, meet you virtually, but meet you. I love it. Hey, next time, let's talk about something that has us laughing through the whole. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I like oh, wait, we can, we can discuss all of our Facebook jokes and we can tell each other all of our favorite jokes. How about that? <laughs> that sounds good. And okay. You know what? I realized I do have one more comment, though. Okay. Please. Um, and, and it came from uh, an, an email that I got just recently about my withdrawal from social media. And it did, did make me think because again, it was, um, I mentioned to a friend that we were going to be doing this. And Richard, you even said this to me in a message. You said, uh, don't you see a little bit of irony about being interviewed in a podcast that's going to show up on social media? And right. I started chewing on that. And I ran uh, and I talked to a friend about it and she said, well, yeah, seems kind of ironic. And I did think of something that might kind of express why I said yes, because, you know, if they're about to cut down a tree in your neighborhood, it wouldn't help you much to go shouting on the other side of town about it. You know, sometimes right. you, have, you have to do the shouting where the tree is. But exactly. on the other hand, it still doesn't mean I want to put any money into the tree cutters business. Right. <laughs> right. 
Oh, <laughs> uh, thank you guys. This was fun. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so enjoyed. much. Thank you, Nolan. It's great catching up with you again. And uh, we'll, we will um, we'll, we'll see each other out on the road, hopefully, before too awful long. I hope so. Well, good luck to you. And thanks so much for having me today. And good luck to everybody out there. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.